0: which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: I was very inspired by the Jordan brand when Kim and I founded Skims. I still am. I bought my first pair of Jordans when I was 13, and I'm still wearing Jordans most of the days. What Kim and I did was to build a brand inspired by her, not dependent on her. We tried to build a brand that is an active participant in popular culture.
0: I'm David Merritt, and this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the conversation's at the heart of the city of London. This week, a conversation with Jens Greed, who is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Skims. If you haven't heard of it, that is Kim Kardashian's underwear and loungewear label. And with Francine out, I asked our UK retail reporter, Katie Linsell, to join the podcast and the conversation with Jens. I really did need your insight on the retail industry. Katie. I
2: was very happy to help. Thank and and, and a bit of a female touch as well. There we go. There's so well, much exactly. underwear needed, being discussed. It was necessary.
0: So, you know, you might be forgiven for asking why a conversation with a Californian underwear seller in the city, <laughs> right? But I thought what was interesting about our conversation was what it told us about the state of retail around the world, but also here in Bristol, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting that they sound like they are really considering, uh, I mean, at least one London location. They've already dipped their toe into London with the Selfridges pop up. I found it pretty interesting what he was saying about how London is really distinct when it comes to retail, comparing it with other locations, because we have this sort of split between mass market and really high end luxury and you want a bit more space that's sort of in between both. So it's gonna be interesting to see where they choose as a location going forward. They sound like they are focusing here, so that's exciting.
0: Yeah, and some of the numbers of growth are pretty eye-catching. So we talked to him about how sustainable that is. What are they doing in terms of fundraising? They're clearly gonna go public at some point. And of course, how did he end up working with one of the most famous people in the world, Kim Kardashian? Jens, welcome to In The City. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I just thought I'd start with a big step back question, really. I'd I'd love to know a bit more about the origin story of Skims. You co-founded it with one of the most famous people in the world, Kim Kardashian. How did you end up working with her? Where did the idea come from? And how did you end up in this role?
1: Like a lot of things in life, things happen organically over time. And it's hard to say exactly when we made the decision to start Skims. I had known Kim for quite a long time, and we had been discussing doing something together and playing with the idea. She really had a vision of what she wanted a company to become and an aesthetic associated with it. She knew she wanted to reinvent this, the shapewear category specifically. And personally, I felt it was a huge opportunity in underwear and lounge. and. Somehow, over a couple of years, we just got to a point where we were doing it. But I don't really know when that moment was exactly. (laughs) Sometimes things you get so into a project that I think the project just makes the decision for you. And you're the chief executive of of the company now. How involved or in the detail is Kim Kardashian now? It's a true partnership through and through. I speak to her every day, all the time. She is a phenomenal creative director, having had almost a lifetime in fashion before Skims, and having worked with some of the greatest from creatives to founders. I have to say she's unbelievably talented creative.
2: And of course, Kim has such a huge following online and thus far, Skims has really had an online story, right? And you have this huge following on social media. I think on Instagram, you have something like 5 million followers. How key has social media been to your growth thus far?
1: I think social media plays a significant part of our story. Social media is where customers live. And it's de facto our source of news and entertainment and connectivity today. So... I would say it would be hard for any consumer-facing brand to be successful today without being deeply rooted in the culture of social media.
0: Are there any dangers that go along with that? Twitter's been disrupted massively over the last year. The trends in social media are pretty hard to predict. How problematic is it to, to have so much of your business tied up with these social media platforms?
1: I don't know what the alternative to social media is today. One wouldn't try to build a brand through traditional linear TV. So while platform sometimes comes and goes or goes up and down in popularity, behaviors generally tend to stick. None of us are on MySpace anymore. And my 96-year-old grandmother is a very avid user of Facebook. I'm not, but I'm a user of Instagram. But I very much doubt my kids will be. So I think our behaviors tend to stick around, even though platforms might come and go.
2: So is this some of the thinking behind now moving into bricks and mortar stores? So there's quite a lot of excitement here with Skims opening stores. I think it's next year in New York and LA, right? You're starting out in the US. Is that the feeling that you need to get your brand on the street in front of customers and really get shopping with them in real life, as some people put it?
1: I think the best brands are able to offer a mix 80 percent of purchases are still happening in physical stores we have a brand that is undeniably very much in step with its time and its generation and why would i miss out on 80 percent of our potential business yeah so here in
0: london how do you see the the market for physical stores are you looking at obviously you've got a presence in selfridges Uh, might we see a big flagship skim store
1: on Oxford Street or Regent Street. Absolutely, absolutely. London is, as a huge global city, still relatively tricky with retail. The market's really polarized between real luxury and the true mass. So it's not a city where it's always obvious where brands to position themselves. It's also a city made up of villages with several high streets and their own particular culture and shopping habits. But absolutely, London still is the best way to market to the rest of the world. And it's the natural entry point for an American consumer brand before it expands into Europe or the Middle East. So if you got
0: your eye, you mentioned the sort of village aspect of London. Have you got
1: your eye on a particular village or a particular spot or is it too soon to say? I think that's too soon to say, but how we generally phrase it is that I can absolutely see a future where Skims has stores in the most important cities, on the most important locations, and anywhere you might find an Apple store or a Nike store is probably where we would like to have a Skim store.
2: And we've also seen that I think it was in Paris that you've tested an international flagship. So do you have a number of stores in mind across Europe that you might be looking to open? I don't have a fixed number. I
1: think with physical stores, you've got to get into it. You've got to open, you've got to test and learn and find the formula that is perfect for you. I think if you visit an Apple store, a Nike store or any other store of a great brand for that matter, you'll see there's generations of store. It's a formula. It's not going to be perfect out of the gate. So we've got to give it some time and, and I'm sure we'll figure it out. I'm just looking at the stats
0: here about the number of stores are opening, you've got a pretty aggressive expansion plan and the sales growth numbers are eye-catching. But we all know, obviously, the worrying economic headwinds that we talk about a lot on this podcast and, and on Bloomberg News. How competent are you that this is a great time to invest so much, to expand so much? And can we see these headline growth numbers really holding up?
1: I would say that the market might be slightly contracting and the consumer could be squeezed. But you have to really dive into the world of retail. And when you do, you'll find that retail is full of legacy players that are downtrending and downtrending slowly over a longer period of time and have been. You can still be incredibly successful in a contracting market if your brand is taking market share i just think we are in an environment today doesn't matter if it is entertainment restaurants or fashion where winners seems to take it all it's a huge polarization between those who are winning and those who are losing and the middle ground seems to be very very soft very very soft and Currently, we're very grateful Skims is one of the brands that are winning. We added over 2 million customers last year. We're hoping to add 3 million new customers this year. The brand has real momentum not just in a specific customer group, but really across our biggest consumers are the millennials, but right behind it and is Gen Z and but Gen X is also great. I mean, our dream was to have a brand that truly was cross-generational, much like I'm a Nike buff. I'm obsessed with Nike. And what's the great thing about Nike is that my son want to wear Nike, I want to wear Nike, and my mom can wear Nike. And I really hope over time that with Skims we're able to, to build such a company.
2: Do you see yourselves as really having introduced that youngest generation to shapewear? Like when we think of it in our minds, the tradition of Spanx and all this sort of thing, it's not sexy, it's not attractive. But in this occasion, are you really looking to get sort of the younger generation wearing shapewear potentially sort of day in, day out? It doesn't just have to be for a wedding or a really special occasion.
1: Absolutely. Now, having said that, shapewear represents less than 20% of our sales. And of course, over the last three years during the pandemic era, and uh, shapewear was more or less non-existent because it, to your point, was something that you wore at occasion, friend's wedding, something like that. Now, a lot of our shapewear products are really bought and worn as clothing. And uh, a day doesn't go by when I walk through the city of London or New York or LA where I don't see people wearing skims out and about. I kind of summed it up as skims is an underwear and loungewear brand you wear when you're not lounging. A lot of the times, just like Lululemon, I guess, is a yoga brand you wear when you're not always doing yoga.
2: I think, for example, now you have a valuation larger than Calvin Klein. Last year you did a fundraising round and now the company's valued at north of $3 billion. Do you think the timing could be right soon to list? Where do you stand on an IPO?
1: I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know that if I could cool the market, I'll be doing something else with my life. So. I tend not to think so much about the timing. We have a great company. We have no urgency to be a public company, but I've said in other interviews, I think eventually Skims deserves to be a public company. I think it's a phenomenal brand and we have nothing but opportunity in front of us. And I think one of the things, going back to your questions about social, What has happened over the last 10 years is that culture truly has become global. When something happens in Los Angeles or Stuttgart, for that matter, everybody knows about it at the same time. So building a brand which really exists in popular culture like Skims does, you inadvertently are building a global brand from the start. We have over 200 million site visits in the last year. over the last year or so. And over a third of that comes from outside of the US. Almost 20% of our business is done outside of the US, even though we are not offering currently an experience to rival even close to shopping experience of buying skims in the US. So I believe we have tremendous amount of potential, and not just in Europe, but really across the world. In terms of funding, you
0: had a Series B funding round $240 $240 million in January of last year, led by Lone Pine Capital. Is your funding situation currently secure for the foreseeable? Do you have to do another round, or is there nothing else on the horizon?
1: There's been some rumors that were out there talking to folks about another round, but nothing that I feel compelled to comment <laughs> <verbal> on. Confirmed or deny. okay.
2: And in terms of the role of the CEO, one of the um, things we've been focusing on recently is how some of the challenges that CEOs can face. Simon Freakley, Alex Partners, was recently saying that now is the toughest time to be a CEO because there's a lot of data, but it can be quite hard to actually get the insight. And CEOs are sort of expected to have a voice on everything, have an opinion on everything. Do you feel that pressure?
1: Yeah, I'm sure I do. Um, Right now, we're a private company, so Mm. I don't have to engage. But if we were to be a public company, and if the board would want me to lead, then I am sure I will. But, you know, pressure is a privilege, as they say.
0: I think one of the, you know, going back to the social media point as well with that, you know, CEOs are expected to have a voice on controversial topics, too, whether it's um, issues around gender or around race. I mean, how... Uh much do you feel that like you have to engage, particularly with a brand that is so reliant on social media for engagement and for commerce?
1: I don't feel a need to engage in my role as CEO, but I believe that our company naturally is in, you know, it's a reflection of the team. And we have had a lot of questions about, you know, what was the thinking in terms of starting a truly inclusive and diverse brand. And for us, it was never something that we contemplated. It is a natural reflection of the team and the generation that works within our business. It was our world, and it reflects the world of popular culture, and it reflects the world in which we aspire to live in. So a lot of those questions you know, are naturally answered by being in step with our times. We don't have to defend something.
0: What concerns you most about the the future? You know, we've got obviously sticky inflation around the world, we've got economic headwinds. What really worries you about
1: the future success of Skims? So many things. I think I wake up every morning in a cold sweat about something, but that's my job. I'm supposed to. Inflation is certainly an issue. I would say that inflation, which is different in different places, is a big concern in terms of finding a way to to deal with pricing internationally. So that's hard. Uh, We have not passed on the price increases we've seen to our customers. I would say over the last four years, we've raised prices maybe one or two percent. So we have chosen instead to, to eat that, and we've had the margins to do it. The world feels very unstable, but it's certainly not chaotic. It just feels very precarious. So we're all on edge. We've all been waiting and talking about a recession now for about 18 months every single day. Is it coming? Is it not coming? I've lived through 2008. I remember Sweden where I grew up in Stockholm in in the early 90s and a banking crisis in the 90s in Sweden. Um, I remember my parents' mortgage being 18% fixed as a kid. So, you know, I think we live in pretty good times. And there's a real squeeze, particularly in the UK
0: on cost of living. It's a big story here. Um, The Bank of England are having to step up their interest rate increases. And there's a feeling that maybe inflation is a bit stickier in the UK than other bits of the world. And Bloomberg Economics actually recently had predicted that the Bank of England is going to provoke a recession in the UK. Now, as you said, we debated about whether when a recession is going to come in the US or not. If a recession does hit on a a global level, how well positioned is Skims to
1: ride that out? I don't think recessions tend to be terminal events. If you take a step back, most people throughout the great uh, recession of 2008 went to work, saw their friends, had a party on a Friday night, and generally got on with it. It doesn't, of course, minimize a lot of the pain and suffering that happens on an individual level. That's my belief when we talk about these matters. We tend to exaggerate just how bad it can get or how good it is. You know, the reality of life is somewhere between pretty good and pretty bad. But uh, generally, there's a lot that has to happen for it to be truly catastrophic. And if it is, well, we're all done anyways. I remember Howard Marks saying that, who's the founder of Oaktree Capital, in uh, in 2008 or so, and I'm, I'm recalling it out of memory. Uh, him and Bruce Koch, the other founder of Oaktree, was buying half a billion dollars a day. And they said, well, if we're not buying, we're not doing our jobs. And if the banking system collapses, well, it doesn't matter anyway. So. You know, I tend to mind my own house, (laughs) my own brand, have a phenomenal product, entertain and engage with our community, and I cannot control, you know, the outside factors. What I can control is making sure I have a very strong balance sheet and we have a great margin, and that's what we do.
0: You said you're focusing on creating great products. What's coming next, or or is there anything that you can point to in the next 12 months, which is going to kind of enrich that line. Any more progress for skims for men, for instance? Asking for a friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are launching men's for skims in the fall of this year. Time and date to be confirmed, but it is coming. And just like any other category we launched, it tends to have been years in development. We wanted to do swim out of the gate, but it took us three years to launch Swim, much because we were trying to work out one of two things, a product that is truly differentiated from anything else in the market, and a product that gives the customer exceptional value for the money they pay. So that's kind of how we have approached everything we do. And I think in the end of the day, behind the hype, it really comes down to product. I believe product is number one, it's number two, and it's number three, and then comes everything else. You can get people excited, you can get people to try your product, but you cannot make people come back if your product
0: isn't great. You said you often walk down the street and you see people wearing Skims. We're gonna see lots of men walking around and as yet unrevealed Skims
1: outfits. You'll be surprised, 20% of our traffic is from men and 12% of our customers are currently male. Right. So if you you look at 200, hopefully 250 million of site sessions this year alone, you're really talking about over 50 million of sessions being from men. So our audience is there.
2: Which markets do you see it being particularly popular for men? I mean, I guess US is kind of the key one to start with. Where else do you see it being really popular?
1: Hopefully everywhere. (laughs) Global brand, after all. One, I really do hope. But I think, as a guy, I think I've been underserved. I think I've paid a lot of money for a pretty poor product for most of my life that looks one way in the morning and looks a different way when I uh, come home at night. So I think there's some room for improvement. It's a very discount-led market for men. It's not a quality-led market. I like it to be, to be a quality-led market. Jens, thank you so much for joining us on In The City. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: So I'm I'm going to be buying some skims. Yeah, there you go. Bit.
2: That was good fun, wasn't it?
0: Um, I, I should have asked him about what sort of what, what am I buying here? Underwear? <laughs> yeah.
2: Is, uh, is it, is it T-shirts or is it boxes? <laughs> this is yeah. This, well, clearly, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a really big range to skims, more than I'd realised before this. It's
0: yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. As I said, those numbers of growth, how sustainable are they? I mean, he hinted about the margins taking a squeeze, but this aggressive expansion plan and bricks and mortar, it's really noteworthy in the current climate. And you know whether or not the customers are going to be there with inflation so high, is, for me, pretty noteworthy. And I found it interesting how clearly he's tied this brand to one of the world's most famous celebrities, Kim Kardashian. And he talked about being a fan of his Jordans trainers and this kind of cross-generational appeal. And I guess the question is, can... Kim Kardashian be the Michael Jordan for underwear, right?
2: Yeah, I guess that's what's to be seen, right? If she can have this sort of pull over generations and for years to come that people can end up associating this brand so clearly with her that it's the key buy as the Jordans were under Nikes.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's In The City. We will be back next week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt, alongside Katie Linsell. It was produced by Summersadi, additional editing by Blake Maples, and special thanks to Jens Greed. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie?